If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me. We're going to read uh, several different portions of Scripture. First of all, let's just start out with Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Then I want you to turn back to the fourth chapter of Luke's gospel, and we begin to read with the 16th verse. And he, that is Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or that is Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now then notice in Second Corinthians the first chapter, the 21st verse. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, Now he that establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and give us, given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Now finally, turning over to the first epistle of John, the second chapter, I'm going to read two verses. First, the 20th verse of the second chapter of the first epistle of John. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Now verse 27, but the anointing. Now, the word unction, the word anointing, is actually comes from the same, the same Greek words used, both places. And so you could read the first verse, but ye have an anointing from the Holy One. And here it says, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it has taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now I want to talk about the anointing. I, I don't know just exactly, uh, I, I know a lot of what I've got in my spirit, my heart, but I don't have any notes on it. I, I don't know exactly altogether which direction, which way I'll go. 
but we'll just trust the Holy Ghost to help us. Because there are some things I believe here that God wants us to see and us to get. Now, in speaking of the ministry of Jesus, we read where Peter, who was one of the closest followers of the Lord, you remember Peter and James and John sort of formed that inner circle. And there was not anybody that was any closer to the Lord Jesus than Peter, James, and John. Peter, preaching to Cornelius in his household, said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil for God is with him. Jesus, when he came into his hometown of Nazareth and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah found the place where it is written the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me, hallelujah, to preach the gospel to the poor. And so on, we read to you, we'll not take time to read it again just now. Now, you see, Jesus stood in actually the fivefold ministry. He stood, first of all, in the office of the apostle. In Hebrews, the third chapter, the first verse, he's called an apostle. It said, now, now consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, our confession, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, you see, he was a sent one, sent by God and by the Holy Ghost. And the Greek word translated apostle, of course, you know, means they sent one. Then second, he stood in the office of the prophet. For as you would read a little further in this same fourth chapter of Luke's gospel, he calls himself a prophet. He said, no prophet is without honor, save his own home, his own town, his own country. And then, of course, you remember in the third, fourth chapter of John's gospel, the woman at the well of Samaria, when she came out there to draw water and Jesus said, give me to drink, you know, and she said, who are you being a Jew? Ask me, you know, for a drink of water because the Jews considered the Samaritans as dogs. And he said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask to me water and I'd give you water so you'd never thirst. Well, she's thinking about the water in the well, so she said, give me this water so I won't have to come here and draw. Jesus said, the water that I give you shall be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And so he said to her, as she said something about going and getting a husband, he said, well, you've had five husbands, the one you're living with now is not your husband. You know, that's a little side thought there, not in my sermon, but Jesus said the man she is living with wasn't her husband because you live with somebody that don't make him your husband. In this modern day, you know, folks, you know, we've even run into some of them charismatic circles. Said, oh, well, God knows. And, you know, that's really my husband. That's no more your husband than you are a monkey's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. 
Well, you see, she went then and said, you know, is not this man a prophet? Well, one part of the prophet's ministry, not the only part, but one part, like in the Old Testament, they would call them a seer sometimes because they would see and know things supernaturally. So he did stand in the office of prophet. He stood in the office of the evangelist. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. That's what the evangelist is anointed to do, to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. The good news. He stood in the office of teacher. Again and again, it said he taught the people. He taught the people. He went into the synagogue and taught. The Bible said, you know, concerning the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, the ninth chapter, the 35th verse, that he went throughout their cities and villages teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. And he stood in the office of pastor. You see, the word shepherd is the same word as translated pastor. And he said, I am the good shepherd. Hallelujah. And so he is the model for all of us to follow. And Peter calls him the chief shepherd. So therefore, you could see the anointing and the Holy Ghost without measure upon him. You know, John 3.34 infers that he had the Holy Ghost without measure, inferring that we have the Holy Ghost by measure. God anoints men or women to stand in whatever office he calls them to and to function. Or he anoints people to do whatever he called them to do. He anoints them with the Holy Ghost or with an anointing of power. Now then, a person is born again and they're born of the Spirit. And they have the Spirit in them. Well, they have an anointing. They have an unction of the Spirit in them. They don't have all the Holy Ghost there is in them. If they did, they wouldn't be any Holy Ghost to be in somebody else. Are you listening to me? And there's just one Holy Spirit. But there is an anointing. There is an unction of the Spirit in a born-again person. Now, you notice what he said here? The anointing that you received of him teaches you. What's that anointing for? It's to teach you. Hallelujah. All things. I remember when I was born again, and I know that very night the unction came in me, the anointing. I was just as conscious of it right down in here as I'm conscious of my two ears up here. And I didn't know to listen to him. He began to try to teach me a lot of things but my head wouldn't go along with it. But you see, it was there on that bed of sickness just as a 15 and then a 16-year-old that the Spirit of God taught me about divine healing. People talk about folks having the Holy Ghost. I'll challenge anybody anywhere that if they got the Holy Ghost, praise God, I mean the one that's the author of this book, He'll lead you right into divine healing. Because if it's the same spirit that authored this book is abiding in you the same anointing, you see, he's going to teach you what's in there. And I saw after that I learned, and you know, it's difficult. I had no human teacher. 
It's easier to learn spiritual things even if you have a human teacher. You can see them. You can listen to them. And the witness of the Spirit on the inside of you will teach and let you know whatever they're teaching, whether that's right or not. Amen. And so I, I, uh, I saw afterwards that if I had listened to what that something on the inside of me had been trying to tell me, that I'd have been out of that bed a whole lot quicker and sooner than what I was. I was there 16 long months. But what if I'd never listened? Well, I just would have never been taught and could have died and gone on to glory and missed out doing what God called me to do and we wouldn't have any rhema here tonight. But I'm so glad I learned to listen. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? So now then I'm saved. I'm filled with the whole, I'm, I'm healed. I began to preach, you know, as a young Baptist boy preacher. Now I knew it was called preach. And the anointing would come on me to preach. Absolutely. Oh, yes, I prepared, I studied, and I prepared, but I was a preacher in those days. I was not a teacher. I didn't have any anointing to teach. I didn't like it. For a number of years, I was a, a preacher. Oh, man, and I could preach. <laughs> and, I, and I liked that anointing. Man, I'd go so fast. I mean, even as Baptist, I didn't know anything about the Baptist and the Holy Ghost speaking other tongues. But I had the spirit. I had the unction in me. And the anointing would come on me. The anointing would come down on me. See, I'd, I'd pray and, and, and study, prepare sermon outlines. I got nearly, I, well, I have all of them yet. I, I don't preach some of them anymore, but uh, <laughs> you know, that was all the light I had right then, you know. And God will bless you, praise God, because you're walking in all the light you have. But the anointing would come on me to preach. And I'd preach so hard and fast the congregation would say, slow down, slow down. We can't get half of what you say. You go so fast. You, you need to, if you, if you never have heard me preach, get the tape, El Shaddai. Any of you ever got that one? And I'm preaching on that one, not teaching. And, and, and once in a while, the anointing will come on me yet to preach. Now, if I had any control over it, I, I'd, I'd bring it on me every once in a while, just, just pretty often. I mean... <laughs> Because I like that anointing. It's just a different anointing than there is to teach. See, it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit, but it's a, it's a different anointing. When I preached El Shaddai, I was, several years ago, we went up to uh, Washington, D.C. Actually, we held a meeting. Uh, we, we had a, a hall over there in the, in the University of Maryland that we'd rented, and, and we were there for a week from Sunday through Sunday. And on Saturday night, before we started on Sunday, the full gospel bin in five different chapters of full gospel bin in at the same hall and had a had a, a meeting all between themselves, you see, and I was to speak. Now I had something else all ready to give them. I was going to give them my testimony. Full gospel bin in like for you to testify, you know. And so I testify and preach a little at the same time, you know. I was going to give them my testimony. Sometimes I'd give them a testimony about going to hell. Sometimes I'd give them a testimony about being healed. Sometimes I'd give them a testimony about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we'd just put all three of them together real quick, you know. And so I had it already. I'm going to give them a testimony, you know. And, and, and I'm sitting there and about ready to turn it over to me. And, and, and some special singer singing the last song. And, and this started coming on me. That anointing. That anointing. Amen, that anointing. You know, in the Old Testament, it'll give you some idea. After all, that, that Old Testament is types and shadows, you remember. 
And, and you, you remember the, the two, Elisha and Elijah? Don't you remember? And, and remember that Elijah, you know, he, uh, he, he found Elisha out there, you know, and he went along and sold his cloak over him, you know. Now that signified, see, that the Holy Ghost is coming on him that way, just like that cloak's on him. And that's with me. I'm sitting up there on the platform, you see, just mind my own business, you know, ready to cooperate in full gospel business. Men go along with their, their type and so on and give them a testimony. And, and it's just something like a cloak come on me. I mean, just like, so like it just fit over me like an overcoat, you know. It's anointing to preach, man. You talk about a fellow feeling preachy. I like that anointing. I like it. And when they turned it to me, you see, and I didn't have my notes on El Shaddai. You see, I didn't have any sermon notes on it. But man, the anointing was there to preach. And so I just took my text and I took off. Man, we had a service. <laughs> Glory to God. I like that. Now, 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 if we're not careful, we, we, we folks over here in this, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> we call it sometimes, you know, faith ministry. And teachers, if we're not careful, you see, we, we, we sort of get spoiled. We want one type of ministry. I believe we need all of them. Yes. I said, I believe we need all of them. Yes. If we're going to be rounded out and balanced, we need all of them. Who wants just to eat ice cream all the time? And I like ice cream. Well, who just wants to eat T-bone steaks all the time? And I eat one every chance I get. But I'd be honest with you, I'd, I'd sure hate to eat T-bone steaks three times a day, 360. Oh, dear Lord. You know. But I like T-bone steak. But who wants T-bone steaks all the time? You see what I'm talking about? No, we need all types of ministry. We need to learn to appreciate all types of ministry. We as pastors need to expose our people to all types of ministries. Are you listening? And realize that God uses people, praise God, and where they are, and recognize the anointing upon them. Recognize that anointing and appreciate that anointing. And so that anointing, you know, to preach. Well, I was a preacher, like I said to begin with. I wasn't a teacher. Oh, my, my, my. Now, don't misunderstand me. I always had the greatest respect for the Word of God and was always very studious, very studious, Spend hours of studying, reading, and even as a preacher. And I would study and dig things out for myself, my own benefit, but I didn't teach them. I, I had no unction to do it. I had no anointing. I had no leading. I, I, I just, well, you know, I did teach a Bible class. That's sort of the custom, you know. Folks get bound up by customs, you know. Sometimes full gospel, Pentecostal people, they, they criticize denominational people, you know, for having formality and ritualism, you know, and go through these farms, and right on the other hand, you can come over among, you know, Pentecostal people, because way back there in 1939, after I'd received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues in 1937, and, and as I say, humorously sometimes received the left foot of fellowship from among the Baptists, came over among the Pentecostals. And my wife and I accepted the pastor of a little Pentecostal church there in North Texas, and they said, now it's a custom. You see, denominational people a lot of times are born with formality and ritualism, and Pentecostals are bound with customs. <laughs> All of them's bad. <laughs> Boy, they'll fight for their customs. Yeah, we got to stay with our custom. You know, this is our, it's a custom that the pastor, you see, teach the men's Bible class, and the pastor's wife teach the ladies, the older ladies' Bible class. Well, I said, I just changed that custom. 
I hadn't been around Pentecostals too long. I, I thought, you know, that was their, their, their all sprouting wings. But I found out they're just a shoulder blade sticking out. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't about to grow any wings. And, and, and boy, you, you start changing their custom, man, you're in for it. So I had to really maneuver and soften my voice and finally I got it over to them. My wife didn't teach. And, and uh, so they said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just combine the older men and the older ladies and have an auditorium class here and you teach. Well, I just soon almost anything, you know. But anyway, I thought, well, okay. And so I taught them. I never was so glad anything in my life when that was over on, on Sunday morning. I'd lay that book down and say, whew, boy, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> now I can sort of relax for another week. And I, I wouldn't look. I, I so detested teaching until I wouldn't look at that Sunday school book for the whole week. Sometimes I didn't even pick it up till just Sunday morning. <laughs> and I always had a unique ability after I was born again and not before, not after baptism, but after I was born again, I learned to walk in the life of God. I didn't have this ahead of time. I couldn't do it. But after I was born again, I could read a chapter in any book. I did it in high school. I'd read a chapter in history, never read it before. Teacher would test me out. And I'd read that and get up and recite it word for word. And I could do that with Sunday school. See, I could read that lesson one time and I got it. I, I feel so sorry for you folks who have to just dig, and dig, and dig, and dig. Bless your darling heart. Amen. Uh, I, I wish really that you'd learn to let the life of God stimulate your brain. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and, and walk in the light of life. And it'll increase your mentality. Hallelujah. Now, I didn't have that before I got born again. No, sir, I didn't have it. I couldn't hardly remember anything. I couldn't hardly remember the way back home. Or my name. Amen. But praise God. Well, I, I just, because I didn't like teach, I'd just wait that way, you know. And of course, I just, I could just teach that lesson, you know. I could rattle it off, nothing else, just what was on the page. But uh, I would never, I'd say, I'm glad for that. I'm glad that's over. I can get back to preaching. And man, I'd preach up a storm. You know, just go like one of these air hammers. You know, waving your arms like a windmill. I thought you wasn't a preacher unless you know you was going like that. But uh, the anointing would come on me to preach even before I was baptized the Holy Ghost. Why? Because he had called me to preach. And he'll anoint you to do whatever he called you to do. Now, you can have something to do, and I'll come back to this later now. I'm going to let it hang for a while. You can have something to do with that anointing. Whether it's stronger or weaker whether it's more or less. Are you listening to me? No matter which office you stand in or what you're called to do, you can have something to do with that anointing. Whether it's more or less or increased or decreases, are you listening to me? Now then, I'm going to leave that and come back to it. You remember now, when I come back to it, you remember that I told you. But the anointing in you teaches you all things. How did I learn about the Baptist Holy Ghost speaking other tongues? Well, of course, when full gospel people came to our town, I, I began to fellowship with them because, you see, I believed in divine healing and had been healed, and you need the fellowship of those that believe like you do. You need that. 
I said, you need that. I believe that's one reason that God has raised up this fellowship. Now, you know, all Christians have faith, but we put a little, little stronger emphasis on faith than some, and, and so we can fellowship there. Well, in having fellowship with those who believe in healing, it strengthens your faith in healing. But if you've got to stand out there alone by yourself, it's not always the easiest thing to do. And I'd been standing alone. So I just, though there's a lot of things you see about these full gospel people that I didn't understand that was right, but I thought was wrong, and that I didn't understand, I didn't criticize them. I just welcomed with open arms. I was so glad to find somebody that believed in faith and healing, praise God, that I could fellowship with. But you see, it wasn't very long until you, you, you go to their services and, and sooner or later somebody, you know, they testified about it. You didn't understand it altogether, but somebody started preaching about being baptized with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. And I just sort of closed my ears. You know, yeah, you can be thoroughly saved, getting people saved every Sunday, getting people healed every week, having miracles performed, and close your ears to other things of the Word. See, God will bless you all he can because he's out to bless you. He's not out to get you. He's out to bless you. Praise the Lord. Are you listening? And so he would bless you, you see, because he'll confirm his word. You're preaching the word of salvation, people getting saved. You're preaching the word of healing, people getting healed. I didn't preach the word on the Holy Ghost baptism, so nobody got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. You preach water baptism, people got baptized in water. You preach prayer, people prayed. You preach living right, folks lived right. But didn't get any of them baptized in the Holy Ghost. God never said anything about it, never even mentioned it. But you see, you'd sort of let that go in one ear and out the other. But you see, walking down the street one day in my hometown, I said to the Lord, because you see, I was Baptist, and I was just about to enter Baptist seminary. And I said to the Lord, though, now, Lord, who's right about this Holy Ghost business? And you know, the minute I said that, who's right, that anointing in me began to teach me on the inside of me, on the inside of me. Oh, no one thundering voice out here, but just that still small voice, as we call it, every believer had, on the inside of me, something said, what does Acts 2.38 say? Oh, I said, Acts 2, 38 said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That inward voice said, What was that last statement you just said? I said, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, what does the next verse say? See, he knew I knew. If he hadn't, he had instructed me to read them. But I'd read them and knew them, you see. So that inward voice said, what did Acts 2.39 say? I said, well, Acts 2.39 said, for the promise is unto you and unto your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What promise is that, the inward voice said. And as I hesitated, that inward voice said, quote that last clause again of verse 38. I said, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes, I said, Lord, I believe that, all right. I believe in the Holy Ghost now. It's those tongues that I don't believe in and I don't know about. And that inward voice said, what did Acts 2? See, he's teaching me. What did Acts 2, 4 say? 
very glibly. I said, why, Acts 2, 4 said that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to, oh, I said, I see it, I see it. I see it, I see it. The same spirit that I'd become acquainted with on the bed of affliction was born of the unction abide in me. The same spirit that taught me about divine healing, the same spirit that said to me, on the eighth day of August, 1934, now you believe that you're well. And I said, I sure do. That same spirit that said, get up then. Well, people ought to be up. I'm no better, you see. And the thought entered my mind, how am I going to get up paralyzed? But when I made the effort, the power of God came down on me and the paralysis and all symptoms disappeared and I was healed. The same spirit led me, hallelujah, and taught me about the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the endowment of power from on high. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You remember that Jesus said in Acts 1.8, after the Holy Ghost has come in you, no, no, upon you, upon you, ye shall receive power to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Now, you see, it's the same spirit, all right, but it's just a deeper dimension. Are you listening to me? It's entering into the fullness of that which God has for you. And so I immediately walking down the street, you see, in my hometown. Well, now, I don't know if somebody had been nearby. They might have heard me. I might have spoken some of that out loud. I was conversing with the Spirit of God that was within me. They might have heard my part and wanted to say, well, who's that guy talking to? There's nobody around him there. But I immediately said, I'm going down. That's pretty good, you know, for a young Baptist boy pastor. I'm going down to the full gospel pastor's house and receive the Holy Ghost right now. Now, you see, they had services, tearing services, and I think it's fine to wait on God, but don't, don't tarry to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Get filled with the Holy Ghost and then tarry. I think that's one place we've missed it. We ought to have tearing meetings, waiting meetings, waiting on God. Are you listening to me? And so I went down there and said to him, I came down here to receive the Holy Ghost. First thing he said was wait. And I said, it won't take me long to see it. You've heard my story. It wasn't eight minutes till I was talking in tongues. Hallelujah. Now then, I, I changed over into the full gospel ministry. I didn't get a new spirit or a different Holy Ghost. He's not twins. <laughs> and he's not triplets. Just one Holy Ghost. But the anointing may be varied. Are you listening to me? And so I remember then in conversing, you see, because my, my colleagues, fellow ministers and Bible teachers in the Southern Baptists had warned me against these full gospel folks, see. And I know they'd said to me, one very outstanding Bible teacher graduated from the seminary and wasn't out full-time minister, taught a Bible class, the first Baptist church, graduated from seminary in Baylor. And, and, and so he warned me, he said, Kenneth, now you, now you be careful about those full gospel people. Well, why? I said, that talking in tongues of the devil. Well, I didn't know whether it was or whether it wasn't. I just knew there's right and believing in divine healing, and so I kept fellowshipping with them. But then when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues, I almost made a run to get to this fella. And, and in case he didn't bring it up, I brought it up myself. <laughs> and, and, and so he began to warn me again. Now, you want to be careful about those full gospel people? Well, Why? Well, now, now, I'll admit, he said, before he criticized me, he said, I'll admit, they, they, they live better lives than we do. And in a lot of ways, he said, they're very fundamental in their beliefs. 
But he said, that speaking with tongues is of the devil. I said, is it? Yes, he said, it is. I said, that's the spirit now that gave them that utterance in tongues. That's the spirit of the devil. He said, that's right. I said, if that's so, the whole Southern Baptist movement is of the devil. Now you think that didn't shock him. <laughs> and he liked to swallow his Adam's apple. <laughs> Why he came up for air, Vincent? What are you talking about? Well, I said, the same spirit that I was born of in the Baptist church, the same Holy Ghost gave me utterance in tongues and I spoke in other tongues. Same Holy Ghost. Same Spirit. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't say a thing like that. I said, why? Oh, it can't be so. I said, how you know? I just know. I said, have you ever spoken in tongues? No. Well, I said, don't be a fool then. You're a Bible teacher. In Proverbs, the Bible said, a fool answers the matter before he hears it. <laughs> Amen. Don't be a fool. I said, you never spoke in a tongue. Now, you know the spirit that you got acquainted with in the new birth, don't you? Yeah. I said, that's the same spirit I got among the Baptists. That's where I was born again. Same Holy Ghost. And that same spirit that I've had all the time. I didn't get another spirit is the one that gave me utterance in other tongues. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Oh, that, that can't be so. I, 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 I'll give that a little further study and, and then I'll get back to you. Well, 40 some odd years to come, you never got back to me yet. <laughs> Amen. Now, but here's the point I want to get over to you. That unction in you is to teach you, and thank God he will. Jesus said when the Holy Ghost has come, he'll bring to your remembrance all things and so on and so forth. But that Holy Ghost coming upon you is the anointing and the unction upon you to do the work of God. Witness, sing, pray, preach, teach, stand in whatever office he called you to, and if you'll just watch and notice, you'll appreciate the different ministries and will become conscious of the anointing and the unction. Now, God didn't call us all to do the same thing. And I think that's one place we miss it, is that we ministers sometimes try to be a jack of all trades and we become the master of none. Instead of just functioning where God uses us, yeah, Lord, I'll get to that in just a moment. Thank you. And, and, and that's the reason that, that, that folks get in trouble. They try to function in another office or another ministry that God didn't call them to do just because somebody else is doing it. And that is mighty dangerous. Now, in the Old Testament, thank God we're not living under the law. You didn't get by very long. I mean, you just cut off right now. You know, two fellows intruded into the holy place and fell dead instantly. But in the days of grace, thank God for grace, you can get by for quite a while, but you can't get by forever. Sooner or later, as the Bible said, if you don't judge yourself, you'll have to be judged so you won't be condemned with the world, the devil. Are you listening? I know mighty men of God. I mean mighty men anointed by the Holy Ghost to function and 
various offices, office of the prophet, evangelist, working of miracles, gifts of healings, gift of special faith manifest through them. Some of them ought to still be alive today, but they're now dead because they tried to function and had no anointing to function over in another office. And if it had stayed in their own office, the anointing was great. But, you know, I said earlier that you can add to that or diminish the anointing. But the anointing that they did have diminished. I know Brother Gordon Lindsay said to me, you know, we were all in a divorce of healing at one time. He said to me as we discussed one of the outstanding ministers who had died, one who stood at the forefront, and God had said to me five years before he died, gave me the the very time that he was going, or two years before he died, the very time that he's going to die, almost the day, and he died exactly when the Lord said so. Well, somebody said, why didn't you go tell him? He didn't tell me to go tell him. In fact, the, the witness of my spirit was, leave him alone, don't say a word to him. But you see, because Brother Lindsay was closer, the Holy Ghost told him four times to go tell him, you're going to die. He saw he wouldn't listen, so he just shut up about it. He said, I said to him, why don't you earlier, why don't you just function here where God wants you? Manifest the gift that God's given you. Stay here. Don't try to get over here in this other ministry. Well, he'd try to teach. He wasn't a teacher. That wasn't his calling. He had no unction to teach, no anointing to teach. And would just create confusion instead of blessing. Yeah, but Brother Lindsay said, he said, yeah, but I want to teach. Don't be a teacher just because you want to be one. Have the call and the anointing of God to do it or leave it alone. And if the anointing's there to teach, don't try to be an evangelist unless the anointing and the call's there. Are you listening to me? Yeah, but he said, I want to. And the man died. He ought to still been alive. Could have been a great blessing. Great ministries. I've seen some marvelous ministries that have have been ruined and the church robbed, robbed of the blessings that she ought to have had because folks didn't minister under their anointing. You can spread yourself so thin in different ministries, you got very little anointing on any of them. Now that's one reason that I just stay over where the Lord called me, whether I'm preaching or teaching. You see, you can, you can observe me if you watch me, if you have been in my service. It don't make any difference what I'm a teaching on. It matters not where I start out. My wife used to say year, many years ago, I guess 30 years ago, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, no matter where you start, I can start preaching on the Antichrist. I wind up preaching on faith and healing. <laughs> Just as soon as I get on those subjects, I'm gone. Now, God may lead you at certain times, especially as a pastor, he would, you see. You'd have to, to, to speak on different subjects. But, but he never called me to pastor. I did function there for a while. Thank God for that. I learned a lot. It is a learning period, you see. But yet, that wasn't my calling, you see. And, 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 and so, just like one preacher friend said, I remember way back 1948, he said, you know, somebody came along, might be used of God, anointed to minister healing. And this pastor friend, I hadn't thought a thing about it. I was still pastor. And this pastor friend said, Brother Egan, you could do that. Said the same anointing's on you, it's on him. 
I'd preach for him. He said, man, listen, you preach for me. When you get on the subject of healing or the subject of faith, it's just like a, just like a dog on a rabbit's trail. You just take off. Well, you see, it's because he's going to anoint me to do what he called me to do. If I'm going to persist in doing something else, then the anointing's not going to be there, and I'm really going to diminish the overall anointing upon my life and ministry. Now, there is an anointing upon the pastoral office. I don't have that anointing. I did function in that office temporarily, as God permitted me to, but I didn't have the anointing. It's a different anointing. It's the same spirit, but it's a different anointing. I recognize it on people. And, and I'm blessed by it. Praise God for it. Marvelous anointing and blessing of God. It's amazing. The anointing, the spirit of God upon that person to stand in the office of pastor. And I'm going to say some things too that may not be so complimentary and you may not appreciate some of you fellows claim to be pastors. If you're called to God to pastor, the anointing is going to be there to pastor. You see, there's more to pastoring than preaching. Now, the anointing will come on you when you come to the pulpit to preach. You know, the anointing is not there all the time to preach. If it was, a fellow had preached, he'd have died. He'd just preach himself to death. But you see, he prepares himself just like the pastor. He studies. Paul was a minister. He wrote to Timothy. He was a young minister. Said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. See, that's the way that you can increase the anointing is by being studious and prayerful. Or you can decrease the anointing by being non-studious and non-prayerful. See, Paul said to Timothy, he was a young minister and pastor at the time, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman, a workman that needed not to be ashamed. Well, that means then a workman that doesn't study is going to be ashamed. Because among other things, folks are going to find out on him and then other th- among other things, he's going to lose the anointing or the anointing is not going to be in manifestation. But if you do your part, you see, there is an anointing upon you, whether you recognize it or not, if you're called to any office or any ministry. And if you'll study, and if you'll pray, then you get up and start out in faith. And when you start out, you mean, I remember used to, when I used to preach under that preaching anointing, like I said, it come on me, and that's the reason I knew he wanted me to do it, sitting there. But most of the time, when I was strictly a preacher, not a teacher, most of the time, I'd just start out in faith, and I didn't particularly feel anything. But that anointing came. Never without fail did it fail to come. That anointing came on me to preach. Glory to God. And sometimes, you know, it'll linger on and you'll enjoy it. Praise God. Well, same way, whatever God called you to do, whatever office you're in, uh, you see, we can all, all of us, any layman or any person can, can minister healing to people just because healing belongs to them. It's already been purchased. You can teach people the Bible. You can lay hands on them in faith without any kind of anointing. Are you listening to me? Because you see it's scriptural and it's biblical. The Bible said these signs will follow them that believe. Any believer, preachers and all, can lay hands on the sick. They're authorized to do so. They don't need any special leading. They have already are already instructed to do so. Yet right on the other hand, some are anointed. I remember some time ago, we were, Brother Roberts and I, or, or Roberts and I, we were talking, uh, Brother Sister Roberts over at the house for dinner, and we afterwards were discussing some of these things. And 
Brother Robert said, through my ministry through the years, I, I, I've sort of wove in and out of that anointing. I, I haven't always had that healing anointing on me. And I think some of us have been close to him all have seen that, you know. But he said, in recent time, it's come back on me. It's come back. He said, sometimes, and he asked me, you know, we were talking about different experiences. And he said, you ever have an experience like this? He said, sometimes, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, at nighttime, sometimes talking to my wife, you know. And I get up and go to bed and I step in the bedroom. It's just like he stepped into a room full of glory. It's just all over me. It's just all over me. I just, I just can't hardly stand it. The anointing, the healing anointing, you see. And so there is an anointing. Are you listening to me? To do whatever God calls you to do. Everybody, like I said, could teach people and can lay hands on people in faith, but then some people are anointed to minister here. By the same token in other areas, we can teach people God's word and so on, but some people are anointed to minister a certain way. Now recognize that. I never did hear Smith Wigglesworth minister. I, if I'd have known about it, I could have because he was just there in Dallas in 1937, the last time he was over here, and I was, that was the year I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you know, and I was just 32 miles away, but I didn't know he was down there in Dallas in the First Assembly for three-night service, the old Pete and Garland church. But uh, someone asked me, because I quote him quite freely, you know, his book was put into my hands, Ever Increasing Faith, and, you know, and it's just, it's just my kind of language. Somebody asked me one time, do you understand that? I said, yeah, I understand it. He speaks my language. Pastor said, I've read that five times. I never understood what he's talking about yet. And it's just difficult if, it's, if you're not over there in that realm to understand sometimes. But, but, but an older minister out in, in California said to me, an older gentleman, he said, I remember hearing him here when he was here in Southern California. And Wigglesworth didn't have any education. He never went to school a day in his life. You see, he went to school You've got to realize now that he, at age 87, 1947, so he was born about 1860, you see. And at age 87 and 47, he went home to be with the Lord. But uh, 1866 then, see, over 100 years ago, there in England, he went to work in a factory when he was six years old. He didn't have child labor laws. Went to work in a factory when he was six years old. Never went to school a day in his life. Well, because of his lack, now he's called of God and anointed by the Spirit, but because of his lack of education, this minister, this older man said to me, he said he'd get up sometimes and, and start out and it just, just wouldn't make sense. What he was saying, just stumble around, you know. Wouldn't make sense. Just wouldn't make sense. And the Spirit of God would come on him. It would startle the congregation. You could see it. His countenance would change. And the words would just flow out of his mouth. It would almost seem like he's another person right in front of your eye. It would startle people. I remember Brother Donald G. He was one of the leaders of the Assembly of God movement in Great Britain. Well, he lived to be 80 some odd, went home to be with the Lord. But I remember Brother Donald G. said, I heard him way back in 1939 when he was over here preaching. And then Donald G. said, because he was among some of the executives of the Assemblies of God in Great Britain. And though Brother Wigglesworth didn't belong to the Assemblies of God, in fact, he didn't belong to any particular Pentecostal group. He just preached for all of them. But he said, Brother Donald G. said, we would always have Brother Wigglesworth every year. They had a yearly conference. 
Assemblies of God over here has their general council every two years. But they'd have a general conference, as they'd call it, every year, every 12 months. And he said, we always had Wigglesworth to speak every year, every year. And he spoke to them just a few weeks before he died at age 87. They had him there again at 87. And, and, and he spoke on, if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he'll quicken, 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 quicken. And such a quickening of God's power. Now, he said the reason that we had him every single year, we wanted our young ministers to see that. Because he'd get up and start out, sometimes wouldn't hardly make sense, no education, and the Spirit of God would suddenly come on him. You'd see it. You'd see it. It was so startling, it would startle the congregation almost. And the Spirit of God, the anointing would flow. Hallelujah. And we wanted our ministers, our young men, to become acquainted with that. I think there's something over in this area that we've lost if we're not careful. Are you listening to me? The old-time Pentecostals, you know, they, they knew they was called, but they would pray, you know, until they'd have the unction to deliver that message. Hallelujah to Jesus. I think they, they had something. I think they, they had something we don't realize sometimes. Well, we're people of faith and we'll just start out. But you see, if, that's good if you made preparation. <laughs> the right preparation. Are you talking to me? Are you listening to me? <laughs> I'll say it right. Are you listening to me? Amen. I'm talking to you. I'll get it out right here. You st are you still out there? <laughs> Anybody gone home? <laughs> Amen. And the anointing will come. Praise God. The anointing would come upon him to minister. And you see, they wanted their young ministers to, to see that and, and, and under, learn something about how to yield to the Spirit of God. Now, standing in different offices, I, I, I know a lot of times we'll weave in and out of certain offices. Some of us stand in more than one office. And, and I know a lot of times it, when it comes to the office of the prophet and the ministry of the prophet. Now, now I know that anointing. I, I love it. it. It's different than the anointing of the evangelist. I know that. Or the anointing just to preach. You see, that's the anointing that the evangelist has, the anointing to preach. And I like that good preacher feeling. Oh, man, I like it. I don't get it very often. I wish I did. But I don't. But sometimes you will. Praise God. They just take off like a house of fire. But I know something about the anointing to teach. Thank God for that. I know something about the anointing of the prophet. And, and sometimes you're just sitting there on the platform I am, and suddenly I feel that coming on me. And I, I, I recognize, I know what it is, I like it. If it's me, I'd sort of do that every service, but that may not be what God wants every service, you see. Now then sometimes that anointing and you have to realize that there's, that there's different areas in this ministry. And you have to realize that uh, one, even in the office of the pastor or prophet or vandas or whatever, can be more anointed or less anointed. And I think it's quite obvious as you, as you listen to different ministers or even you, minister, you layman listen to your own pastor. Sometimes he's more anointed to preach than he is other times. Sometimes the teacher's more anointed to teach than they are at other times. Sometimes a prophet is more anointed than he is at other times. 
And there's areas and degrees. You remember these two prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha? You could open your Bibles to 2 Kings. We'll look at something in a moment, but you know this well enough for me just to rehearse some to you. Now, Elisha is anointed by the Holy Ghost to stand in the office of prophet. Now, remember that David, later on they had other kings, but David's anointed, and you see the Holy Ghost came upon, he wasn't in any of them back there, he came on the king, the prophet, and the priest to function in those offices. Now, David was anointed to be king, but he's also a prophet. Did you know that? The anointing of the prophet also was upon him. But Elisha was just simply a prophet. Elijah was. And Elisha wanted a double portion of what he had. Remember that? Now, listen. You see, we we talk about, you know, we try to transfer that over into New Testament sometime, but you can't other than holding it where it is. You see, this anointing upon Elijah, this portion, we could call it, this measure of anointing was upon him to stand in the office of prophet. What Elisha is asking for is a double measure to stand in that office. Well, that that measure of anointing would not be available to you or anybody else if you were not called to that office. You wouldn't need it. If you're called to be a pastor, you don't need that anointing. But because Elisha was called and Elijah had anointed him with oil, throwed his cloak over him because God said to, then he said, now if you see me when I go, you know, you'll get your desire and your wish. And so he had a double portion, or we could say measure, of the anointing on him to stand in the office of prophet. And if you'll read the account, it's recorded that he did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Now, sometimes the anointing in the prophet's ministry is so strong that you just don't need anything. You can just step right into it and here you go. We need to realize that there are things, no matter in the anointing of the prophets, he wouldn't be any exception to the anointing in any other office. And we'll learn something about how to enhance that anointing and so on. Here in the third chapter of 2 Kings, for instance, we have the story here. And we'll not take time again to read all of it, but here are these. First verse said, now when... Jehoram, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years, and so on and so forth. Well, here came enemy against them, and so they, they are looking for help. And so the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of the Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? You see, they had to inquire of the Lord through the prophet. We don't. Because they didn't have the Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost just came on certain ones to function in certain areas. And so, one of the kings of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, 
which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord was, is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, what have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father, because you see they had forsaken God, and to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hands of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. Now here's a little side thought. Here is the king of Israel. Remember, they were divided and about, sometimes we say, you know, uh, 10 tribes went one way and two and a half tribes another way, but actually it's about 10 and a half and a tribe and a half. And, and, and Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. And Jehoram was king of Israel. And then here also was the other king here of Edom, the three of them. And he said, Jehoram said, you know, the Lord's going to deliver us three kings into the hand of the Moabites, or the Moabites, in other words. Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat. Because, see, Jehoram had forsaken God, the king of Edom. He didn't walk with God. See, they was out of step with God, out of fellowship with God. And actually, Israel and the kingdom of Joram were backslid, as we'd call it. Were it not for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't have a thing in the world to do with it. See, that's the reason some people said our nation's going down the tube. That's the reason that it's not. Because of us. Are you listening to me? I said because of us. Because, praise God, God will hear us because of us. Because we're his sons, we're here. We're his children. That is providing we take our place and act our part. Now we can sit down on the job and lay down on the job and let the devil take over. But he ain't about to take over. Somebody said the devil's going to, I remember years ago. See, this is nothing new. See, young, see, young, young, young folks don't realize that. Back I remember when I was a teenager. When I first got baptized the Holy Ghost in 1937 as a teenager in the days of the Great Depression, then people said the same thing they said now. The devil's going to take the nation over. This whole nation's gone. The devil's going to take everybody over. I said to him, no, he's not. They look at me, sort of start. And these were full gospel, Pentecostal, tongue-talking people's talking to me. I said, no, he's not. He's not going to take everybody over and everything over. They look at me, you'll say, said, how do you know? I said, he'd have to take me over if he took everybody over, and he can't. <laughs> they look at you. Sometimes, you know, they, they'd think I was a smart aleck. Because, you know, I'm just a 20-year-old boy talking like that. Oh, he's just being a smart aleck. What makes you born again? Full gospel, tongue-talking Christians. What makes you talk that way? What makes you so sure? Are, are you somebody? No. But I said I'll tell you who is somebody. Jesus is. And the Holy Ghost is. 
and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. And the devil didn't succeed taking everything over. The whole thing's going to the dogs, it said. All the, she'd said the same thing to do in recent years back there in Depression Day. said, all the young people's going to the dogs. I was just 20 years old. I said, no, they're not. I'm not going to the dogs. And if all of them went, I'd have to go. But I found out that the young people then, just like young people now, they want reality. And when they saw reality, they followed us in. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Won't charge you anything with that. It's all free. All right. As the Lord of... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Thank you. The anointing comes on me sometimes and I can't talk English. Sometimes it'll stay for an hour. Out there at Fred's, how long was it, Fred? I don't know, maybe long an hour. I, I just, you know, I could talk in tongues. I could think in English, couldn't say a word. Couldn't say a word. Couldn't say a word. Well, now, why does God do things like that? Do you ever stop to think about it? You remember when John the Baptist was, angel appeared and told his father, his daddy, you know, so on about him, you know, and he's, you know, we, we, you can get all kinds of ideas about it if you want to and preach different things. But, but you know, he, uh, he wasn't struck dumb with a dumb spirit or disease or the devil. You know what? Just the Spirit of God came on him. He couldn't talk all the nine months. Did you ever stop thinking about that? Remember when Paul struck that fellow blind? Remember down there that guy was opposing him on that deputy? Paul struck him blind. You remember that? You know, he wasn't blind with disease or sickness. Notice what Paul said, the hand of the Lord's on you. See, the hand of the Lord in the Old Testament, again, again, is the Spirit of God, the anointing. The hand of the Lord's on you. And they led him around. He couldn't see for a season. He wasn't struck with disease. The Spirit of God never has struck anybody with disease. He don't have any. But the, but the Spirit of God, Amen. Uh, I, I think there's some things that we're going to come into that we haven't got into yet here. About the anointing, about the use of the anointing, about the purpose of the anointing, about the utilization of the anointing, about ministering under the anointing, and about 
transferring and transmitting the anointing. On one hand, to do good, to bring blessing, and on the other hand, to bring judgment of those that would stand in the way and hinder the gospel. All right, I'll not say any more. Thank you. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.